Welcome to the Incandid Fashion Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Isoke Hongiwoyi and this is my podcast, Incandid Fashion. With my background in multi-brand retail, media, fashion and communications, I've always been passionate about African fashion and beauty and super curious about the inner workings of businesses, especially in fashion, beauty and lifestyle. I like to get granular about what drives these industries and learn from the career journeys of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who are making major strides. I'll be grilling my guests on their work journeys, how they got their big break and practical tips on how to build a brand from the continent. Join us for candid conversations with founders, visionaries and exciting creators working in fashion and beauty today. Hi guys, it's Isaka Ngewoi and you're listening to the Incandid Fashion Podcast. Today, we're joined by Michelle Okeke. Michelle is a seasoned marketer with more than 10 years of experience strategizing, developing and executing marketing campaigns. She garnered work experience from some of the biggest brands in the world, including Twitter, Facebook and Time Inc. Currently, she works as a creator marketing manager at Pinterest, where she's committed to ensuring that creators get excited about creating content directly on the platform. Michelle has lots of speaking experience and she's just an all-round fascinating person. I can't wait for you to hear about her, her role and, you know, how it ties into fashion. Thank you for having me. I know you've, had, you've been super busy with the launch of various things, so I'm really, really grateful that you could join us. Um, so let's get right to it. Yes. What was your very first job? I like to ask this question because... I think the world of work is evolving really quickly and people kind of started small, but a lot of the time, like your first job, like leaves an impression and gives you, you know, tools for your next job and your next job and your next job. But you never really forget what, you know, what you learned on the very first one. So yeah. what was your very first job? Well, I usually say that my first job was um, working at a dollar theater in Irving, Texas, where I grew up. What's a dollar theater? Oh, oh my gosh. These, okay. A dollar theater is essentially like this magical place where you can watch primetime movies like weeks after they've come out for like 50 cents or a dollar. Oh, wow. So, yeah, like these big, huge blockbuster films that, you know, you'd have to go to a regular theater, like an AMC or whatever, and pay like 15, upwards of $15. If you just wait like two or three months, they have these dollar theaters set up. Um, the one that I worked at was called Starplex Cinemas. And you can literally like go and see a movie for like a dollar. And then like Tuesdays during matinee hours, you could even see it for like 50 cents. I've never heard that before in my entire life. That's yeah amazing. that's amazing that they don't have them in canada like i'm i'm maybe shocked maybe they do them. maybe they to be honest maybe they do maybe i just don't know about them have it. but i've never no, heard of it, it was, i i knew about it because it was literally right across the street from our apartments where i was growing up so we're you know when it came time to find a summer job like that was the first place we went so what but did you do though i was the person at the front like giving tickets to people and then I was also running in between that job and like working in the concession stand. So do you think you learned anything that kind of helped you in your career going forward? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely learned how to communicate with people. I learned how to interact with customers. I learned how to triage when there were like customer service issues, whether like a person didn't mean to get a certain amount of tickets or they wanted their money back or, you know, like there's a crazy line of people waiting for popcorn, like how to manage the anxiety of like being on demand in that space. Which is um, arguably a life skill, right? Like, it is. And it's still one I haven't... I haven't fully mastered it. I'm not going to lie to you, but I do kind of get a little bit of a sense of calm, even in like really chaotic moments, um, partly due to that. But but honestly, the job that I have before the real job, um, <laughs> the job that I had that was off the books <laughs> was my real, real first job was um, working in my mom's ice cream truck. Oh wow! So yeah. she was undocumented. <laughs> I love that so much. Like, yeah, Nigerian parents. Like, what do you mean? Where do you think you're going? Exactly. You're helping me. You're helping me. And so that's what we would do. Oftentimes, like after school, like this is when I was, you know, like maybe 13, 14, before I could get a real, real job. Um, my my part time job was helping my mom do ice sell ice cream and candy and she she was the cool ice cream truck lady so her <laughs> truck had not just ice cream it literally had every snack you could ever want okay. like she carried a cheese warmer in hers so you could literally get like a chips a bag of Cheetos with some oh. hot cheese in it oh wow she carried pickles she carried all the candies ice cream of course that must have been um, a fun summer job. It was, you know, what you think it would be, maybe that first couple times. And then, like, you get burnt from the dry ice that keeps the ice cream cold. Or, like, you know, you just want to be a teenager and, like, hang out with your friends or, like, yeah, not do anything yeah. and, and you're having to work. Yeah, with, with my mom, it was actually work. We had to do schoolwork. We had, like, oh, literally, like, something else. Yeah. So like, was it, was, it was, it was, it was, yeah. At the time, I was like, I hate everything. <laughs> but now, I mean, yeah. What does that mean? She would, like, sign you up for extra school work? Um, so we had summer camp, but then we'd yeah. also have, like, these, these things called bond assessments. Mm. And you had to do a certain amount of, like, quantitative, um, grammar, like, a whole bunch of stuff before you did anything else and then you did your chores before you could even watch like television or like Dang. have lunch yeah it was it was intense and um i mean it served me going forward in life because i was always ahead in school and stuff but like honestly yeah, yeah. at the kid, time i was like Ugh! i don't want to be Why? Like, any yeah. of this i don't care how valuable this will be <laughs> i don't care but, yeah like but, but, it does it, it it does end up teaching you a lot and i'm yeah. sure that like taught you a lot about discipline and yep. just Ethic yep, and yep. so many things and and you know those delayed those- gratification because it was like tv just seemed so much more important going yeah. out to play everything was like oh my god i'm gonna see my friends after i've yeah. done this thing and you yeah. know like learning about a sense of achievement as well so it, 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 it did work out in the end it wasn't fun at the time but yeah so really- tell me how did you get started i know that you worked at facebook in essence before this mm-hmm. so how did you kind of get started on your path towards this sort of like social media tech media type of you know career it was really all god (laughs) it was god and networking because i honestly had no i had no uh, knowledge of the possibility of working in a tech industry mainly because i don't have any technical skills i'm not an engineer i'm not like a product designer 
And so the idea of working in tech was not something that was accessible to me and not something that I felt I had a place in. It wasn't until I started working at a media agency in New York um, that I actually discovered that, wait, there's like a media department and marketing department within tech? Like, that's kind of cool. Because mm. um, I, 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 I started my career... Um, Really, if you want to go all the way back, I started my like education in mm -hmm. visual arts. Like I wanted to be a design. I wanted to be like a graphic designer. That's what I had told Ooh. my dad. He hated the idea of it. He thought it was not going to make any money. You know, Nigerian parents. You're going to be poor. You're going to be <laughs> poor. Exactly. It's like mm -hmm. you, if you're not a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, um, you know, or some sort of scientist or, or a mathematician, you're just, you're not, you're not actually working and you're not going to be successful. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that's what my, that's what my dad sort of had in his, in his mind. But I was like, no, but I want to be a designer and I want to create all these things. And, and, um, he initially was not here for it, but, um, eventually he came around to the idea of it and he actually like was very supportive um okay. before, before he passed which was like a really really sweet um it was like a really sweet like blessing moment when he finally came around to the idea of it and it, like the way he did it was so funny because he like had come home one day and just like placed this like architectural design book in front of me and was like well if you're going to design like here are some things that I found and Aww. it has nothing to do with what I wanted to do but Still, the, the idea that goes exactly the so idea cute. that he in his own way was basically like telling me like I support you and I you know I want to help you do what you want to do and I, and I think you'll be great at it um so that like gave me the boost to kind of pursue that in college and so I was doing that for two years um but then I started feeling like I wasn't necessarily as good as a lot of the other kids in the class. And I was just like, I'm also not as like, these were like, yeah. Cause these were like, I didn't realize this, but like these art classes are like four hour long blocks, like four times a week. So you're doing it like Tuesday and Thursday from one to five and then Wednesday and Friday from like two to six or whatever. And you're just in these classes doing different like art things. And I just like, I'm not as invested in it. <laughs> as, I, as I thought, yeah. This is yeah. ridiculous. Like this is so many <laughs> time. It's like, how does anyone enjoy this? I yeah. Just, I, like, I don't think, one, I don't think I'm like developing my skills enough to really like make a career out of this. And two, I just, I don't, I don't enjoy don't all of these other things that I'm, that I'm doing. And, um, and so then I was like, well, I need to find something else to do quickly. Um, cause I'm now a sophomore and I, I'm pivoting my, and I feel like I'm, I'm going to pivot, but I don't want to stray too far from create creative work. And so a career counselor like pointed me in the direction of advertising. It was like, well, in advertising, you can do career, I mean, creative work, but also there's commerce attached to yeah. it, business. Um, so you can sort of merge the two worlds. And I was like, well, that sounds good. So I'll get into advertising, got into advertising, graduated with a degree in advertising and then, um, flew to New York was grace was 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 blessed enough to find a job in new york an internship in new york okay. did that for a summer and then i was placed at a job through that internship um, at a media agency and so my job was just to like interface with other companies to place media for the clients that we were working on mm -hmm. on their sites so like that's where i found out that oh pandora has like a marketing and media department 
um, Spotify has a marketing media, Facebook, all of these places have like a media entity and they, they, they're, they're placing ads on the website. And like, there are people who are managing that whole organization. Mm, and that was when it, that's when it all opened up for me. I was like, I can whoa. whoa, I said, well, if there's a place in those type of companies for the skills that I have, then I want in. Um, and so then that's how I ended up working at a digital company called The Root. That was like fully um, all about black business, celebrating black stories, like yeah, telling stories that weren't being told in national media um, on the mainstream. And then from there, I moved over to Time Inc. Um, from Time Inc., I actually ended up taking some time off and then ended up working at, at Twitter because someone on LinkedIn reached out to me and was like, hey, okay. yeah, it, literally it was LinkedIn. It was like someone reached out and was like, hey, we have an opportunity here to sell ads on the platform um, and, and we'd love to talk to you about it. And so from that, I was able to, to land that job. But honestly, it was all like... It was all just situations and opportunities that kept opening doors to more situations and opportunities. That's right. really, really, really interesting. And I I mean, your point about sort of changing lanes in uni is actually really important because I think that sometimes we get sort of caught up, especially at that age, you're like, oh, you know, I don't want to fail. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't want to, yeah. But it's like, sometimes if you're like, I hate this, I probably shouldn't be doing it. Like, yeah, I'm actually a, I'm a bad example of this, but I'm also a good example of this. Because basically, I wanted to do economics. Mm. And at the time, I was doing international baccalaureate, which is very... At that time, it was kind of new-ish in England. Mm. And all the schools didn't know, like, because they give you, like, an offer. Mm -hmm. And everyone can figure out, like, you know, what is a six? Because it was... The IB was one to seven is how you're um, rated. But everybody... A-levels is obviously, like, A, B, C, whatever, right? So it was like, is a triple A offer the same as a six? Is it? So they just used to give these ridiculous offers that just didn't make any sense and had like random, like arbitrary um, sort of rules. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, you know, if you do, because they're different types of math and different types of, so like almost everything had a different level. Mm -hmm. I'm saying this now, it actually sounds really complicated, but it actually really is not complicated. <laughs> but basically, I was doing the wrong kind of math, essentially. And they were like, oh, you know, you have to do like a further math. I was like, that really makes no sense, mm. but okay. Mm. But at this point, I was already in my second year and they were like, yeah, you know, you have to, um, you, you're doing the wrong kind of math. So you have to either like kind of take extra classes. And I was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to like, I want to do economics, but I don't want to do it that badly. So no. Yeah, and I ended up, I ended up doing um, law because I was like, oh, okay, cool. Sounds like I can apply for this. Fine. And in my first year, I was like, fucking hell, I really fucking hate this. And not in a, I can't do it way, but in like, I find this really fucking boring. Yeah, like, like you wouldn't enjoy it, your life. Uh, yeah, that it's so like, you know when, because it, to be honest, what ruined it for me was criminal law because mm. there were all these stories where there was like, there was basically like rules would be followed. Mm-hmm. But there was no justice. Does that make sense? So I was just like, I hate this kind of nuance that is that is like a weird loophole. And it's just like, yeah. And I was like, I hate this. If I had to do this every day, I would actually set myself on fire. Right. So right. I told my mom, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely not gonna practice. So I don't want you guys to ex expect me to go to law school because I'm not gonna go. Just set the expectations. But, uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm already here. 
I'm already here. I'm not going to go through the whole thing of like changing courses and changing. I'm not, I'm not just not going to do it. So I'm just going to finish and then we'll figure it out. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't realize my mom didn't tell my dad. So when I graduated, my mother was like, yeah, sure. So easy now. My dad was like, huh? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Wait. What do you mean? Um, Wait, at I what point? I Wait, was pause. At what point did you tell your mom, I'm not going to practice, I'm going to finish? This is literally my first term. Like, literally my first time. I was like, I, I would never, I would never practice law. I would literally never practice law. This makes no sense. Wow. And it's just no. And I went through the whole three years and my dad was like, okay, cool. So where are you applying for law? And I was like, hmm? I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not applying for law school anyway. And it was a whole thing because I, I went and I'm, the thing is my parents are super supportive. So I can't even yeah. complain. They're amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I went on and I did some other random shit trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. And my dad very reluctantly like, now you want to do this thing. Yeah, like, so you want to learn how, anyway, Nigerian parents doing the things that they do. But um, it was, I mean, it was a fun ride, but I eventually figured it out. I guess I can say I'm still figuring out, but definitely i know what i do not want to do i'm glad that i won the fight not to go to law school because yeah. i would have been an utter waste of time yeah but um yeah actually back to you well no, it's really <laughs> going on that's about me. part of like that's my favorite part of 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 nigerians who did not do what their parents thought they were going to do or what they thought they were going to do because i this comes up a lot like it's something that a lot of us have to deal with and it's something that a lot of us have gone through. And so we can all sort of relate to that, like going mm, off the path yeah. and sort of having to make your own path. Mm. And like, because, because I have entrepreneur parents, they weren't as like, I know mm. people who it was like really an issue. Mm-hmm. I think that my, my main, you know, mistake was not kind of communicating it to both parents. Yeah. And it was a real shock for my dad. And you know, the kind of thing where it's like, you've been like a, a star student all your life yeah, so it's very much like, oh my god do. she's not gonna do the traditional thing oh my god but yeah it was yeah. fine i mean it's fine it's um it's it's we're always you know a work in progress or whatever so yeah yeah so tell me about your role at pinterest right now tell me what what does your day-to-day look like what does your role actually entail because it says creator marketing manager yeah. but it's like what does that mean to us people who don't know anything about it. Yeah. So um, a marketing manager basically is a person who manages the marketing communications for a particular audience. Um, And what that means is like managing what our communication strategy is across all of the different channels that we use to talk to our audience, whether that's through live events, like what we just did yesterday. Um, whether that's through email or through social media, um, through our business site, through our website, through our community blogs, like all of the communication channels that we use to talk to our audience. It's um, my job and the job of the team that I'm on to all get together and like determine what is the strategy across all of those channels. So your audience in this case is cre- is the creator so like yes. pinterest creators. yes so okay. so yeah so we're determining like what is the strategy across all of the channels to talk to com- creators and let them know what we're doing on the platform make sure we're informing them of all of the products that we're launching and like how those products are changing um like the idea pins launch and also just like letting them know when we have cool things going on events that they might be interested in or um cool cultural moments that we're celebrating like we like we just did for um, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month and what we're going to do next month for um, for Pride. So 
so yeah it's art it's it's sort of a really great opportunity for us to just constantly be serving creators with content that they find enjoyable educational and ultimately gets them to continue coming back to pinterest i like that a lot i mean i've been on pinterest for i want to say seven years i'm not sure how old is pinterest yeah but like like i remember the old pinterest yeah yeah, you're one of the ogs it's a really it's a rather young company and and that's another really interesting thing about it is like it's pretty young like all of these tech companies facebook twitter pinterest like they all cropped up in the last 10 to 15 years Mm -hmm. and so it's it's an industry that like when we were in school like didn't exist didn't exist you know it wasn't even something that we could think about and and you know that's why i am so adamant about making sure that i put on as many black and brown people to these tech companies because we are not well represented in these spaces Yep. simply because like i just said one they didn't exist 10 to 15 years ago so it's not like like they're being advertised as opportunities when we're in classes or like internship opportunities yeah. or things like that they weren't they weren't even there and also like they were created by primarily white men yeah right and then those white men yeah. went and found hire themselves their, and yeah they hired themselves yeah. they hired their friends investing themselves and most yeah. fr- and like there's no diss to that it's just oftentimes your friend group looks a it's, lot like you yeah mm. it's a, to be honest it is the same for black it's people, the same right? for for black most. people. Yeah. let's be real let's be honest like how many of your friends are also nigerian probably the majority <laughs> <laughs> i mean at the, at the very least my core your core core friends yeah Yeah. and and that that's just what happens in every culture and every community so there's no diss against it but i do think like that means you have to take that extra step and make that extra um, intentional move to bring in people from other communities especially when you're in especially when you're in an industry that is it has such a far reach yeah you know yeah Yeah. like such a far reach across all communities like everybody is on facebook everybody is on Instagram. Pinterest and Instagram. And, it's, and Pinterest. The, um, and and where we we recognize that like there are gaps. Like there are gaps mm-hmm. in terms of the people who are seeing themselves on the platform and so they're not necessarily using it because they don't mm-hmm. necessarily see it as a place for them. Yep. Like we know that. And like yep. we are actively working. We have teams in place and people in place and product updates to make sure that people are feeling that that like they can they can be on Pinterest and feel represented and feel seen. And so like I'm I literally just referred somebody yesterday for like three different positions because like, I think she'd be great for this, this or this. And like constantly <laughs> I'm constantly doing that for all of my black and brown mm-hmm. friends. Um just because I know that if not for people who did that for me, I would not be in this position. Yeah. That's amazing. You know that's I mean? really, really amazing. Cause yeah, I I'm really, I think before I moved to North America, I didn't, understand is not the word, but I guess I wasn't, it just wasn't like clear and present to me, mm-hmm. like how big the gap was, right? Because yeah. in Canada, for example, they're not even, they're not even that many black people, period. Right. You know? And it's, it's really, yeah. And like, honestly, I think the official number is something weird, like 1.2 million what? or something. Yeah. I mean, I think in the next three years. Yeah, this is a thing, right? So, Canada is huge, and Toronto is really Toronto is really a melting pot in terms of like a city yeah. that I've lived, where you know, in the core downtown area, yeah, 
it's really really mixed so it's like it's black it's white it's brown it's asian it's everything right and toronto culture is very street oriented does that make sense like if you think about the fact that i mean obviously drake blah 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 but also um like the first off-white store in the world is in toronto right off-white. because there's a huge yeah like off-white is um virtual Abba, yeah mm-hmm. so it's very like streetwear if fe- like toronto is one of the f- only cities i've ever been to or lived in where i go out out and i'm not worried about the music in the way that i would be in nigeria like i've gone out random bar and they had a whole burning boy set mm. and this is just like this is just toronto this is not it's not a some of the black bar it's not a it's just a rap we literally just walked into the bar had a drink and there was a burn boy set. Do you know what I mean? So like, that's why I thought it was culturally like, diverse. Yeah. So I think that their marketing is really good in that way. And I think that there's a lot more, it's a lot more open to like other cultures. So it's not like the pressure in in places like England or maybe to a lesser extent America. I'm not, I haven't lived there for a long time, so I can't say, mm. but like England, where there's that, like the emphasis on assimilation is there. Mm. In Toronto, it really isn't. So I think that's their biggest sort of plus and that's why they have this like whole i guess reputation for being like really diverse but the truth is like tor- like canada's really white that's the truth canada's really white toronto's pretty white um yeah it's just it's very very white so <laughs> out of like is there five ish 35 ish million they're only about two million black people and that's spread out all over the country but most of them are in ontario which is where Toronto. so it's it's growing every year i think it's going to change in the next three years i think that there's going to be a lot more because there's a lot more um you know immigration from all over mm-hmm. the place but um and obviously canada has one of the very few still open sort of um immigration pathways so it's going to change it's it will be more other yeah. in a bit yeah. there's Uh, well you talk about you talk about the immigration pathways like are there other systemic structural things that might be keeping black people? oh so many so many like yeah like so because for example um i have a friend she's actually canadian she grew up here but she lived in lagos and or she moved to lagos for a bit and worked there and worked and went to school in england for a master's Mm -hmm. and she's been applying for jobs and has not gotten a single one <laughs> it's weird because she literally just got her master's in pr so it's just like literally fresh off the boat every job she like she got interviewed in england but it was very sort of um oh you know if only you were this the bottom line is that no one wanted to sponsor right the visa mm-hmm. thing and she's canadian mm-hmm. but in canada you just don't get callbacks so mm-hmm. we've both been following this guy on linkedin who does like stuff for people trying to recruit whatever mm-hmm. and he posted something and somebody like a recruiter responded and was like yeah you know because we're told not to we're told to disregard foreign sounding names <laughs> but obviously the sub the subtext is oh my God foreign sounding that is not asian or european right so because obviously you will find like lots of brzezinskis and lees and all sorts right but when it's like an african name it's a little bit more you know so it's just i yeah there there are things there are things i mean i'm still i'm happy to be here i think like there are a lot of really really great things about canada but it makes me uncomfortable when people make it out to seem more like equitable and less racist or less white than it really is because to be honest like there are a lot of they just they're just like england in that 
it's very low-key it's very subtle you you'll be gaslit and you wonder if you're insane why is this happening but really the answer is that you're black so wow. <laughs> yeah wow but it's i mean yeah i think i think it's 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 changing it's changing it'll take some time i think that some of it comes with the reckoning of actually recognizing that you're doing what you're doing right which i think is why there are a lot of organizations that are moving towards it i think that's why even in terms of legislation and stuff and you know like government bodies mm. there's a there's there's a lot of work being done so i think that it will be much better in a few years but you know yeah work in progress so let's go back to you don't know why you're talking about me sorry i ask a lot of questions <laughs> i have i end up interviewing people all the time and i'm just like sorry i just i just get curious <laughs> It reminds me of um, an interview, I think it was Obama and, who was it? I think Jimmy Kimmel? I can't remember. And he kept asking questions back and he was like, yo, I'm the interviewer, <laughs> what are you doing? All right, right. we have questions. Yeah. We have questions. <laughs> so what has changed in your role, like since the pandemic started, because it's been really weird for everyone. I know that obviously, I think tech probably made the easiest kind of pivot to work from home and stuff, because yeah. obviously you don't actually, I mean, for some of it, you don't have to, you know, be at your job mm-hmm. but what what has changed in your role like what in terms of the way you operate or the way you re- reach out to people yeah. you know what's um has that been a pivotal change i think just like recognizing how much can get done virtually mm-hmm. has been um eye-opening for a lot of people i think there was this idea that everyone had to be hunkered down in an office in order to get things done and like what I've heard from everyone on my team is that we've actually produced more work since we've been working. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I joined the company in um, Feb, mid-January. Oh, and so Right before. Yeah. Like I, well, mid-January of uh, 20, of this year. I, oh, wow. I'm like, wait, that was really this year. <laughs> I feel like I've been here for at least two years. I can't believe it's only been like five months. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I joined like January of this year, and um, so I I've seen all of the work that we've been produced. It's been a lot. Like you just said, like we just had so many things launch, and and yeah, I'm just hearing from people like it was. I mean, we were producing a lot last year, and the company was doing a lot the year prior. But like this has been the year where we've cranked out the most work, and so. I think that has been like the most um, revelationary, revolutionary, (laughs) eye-opening thing has just been like, we don't necessarily need to be in an office. However, what I will say is there is a downside to not having Mm -hmm. those like physical interactions. Yeah. And like, just like the shoot the shit moments. Do you know what I mean? You're not on a Zoom call because you have to talk about this project and you have to get get into alignment and you have to, you know, develop the timeline and you have to figure out who's doing what. Not on a call for that. You're just talking about what y'all did this weekend. You're talking about that weird thing that just happened in the office. Or you're talking about like, oh, what are you having for lunch? Like, oh, let's go to the cafeteria (laughs) together. Oh, let's go. Those moments... Um, cultural stuff basically yeah. they're very valuable in building relationship and building empathy and building grace and like i think the absence of that has kind of created a tension between people mm. um and i wonder if people are seeing this in their jobs as well but i just think like you know i was my my cmo said something really really um impactful and she was just like 
you know, all the times when I felt like there's like some weirdness in a, in a work relationship. Um, and we've just like decided to go out for a coffee or just go have a minute outside of work just to connect. She's like 10 times out of 10 that has always smoothed things out. And mm. that's just been taken away, right? Like you just don't have yeah. that. So now you just kind of have like, you have to be really intentional about developing yeah. those moments outside of yeah. work. And so like, mm -hmm. you know, those one-on-ones that you're doing, it's like, see if you can spend either the first 10 minutes or the last 10 minutes of them not talking about work and just getting to know the person. Um, or even like doing walking meetings where like you have your coffee and they're having their coffee and they're <laughs> in totally different time zones. But like you guys are like, yeah. you know, just making it feel as intimate, you know, yeah, as, possible. Yeah. as possible. Um, so I think, I think what, what the two things that have really come out of this is like one, the productivity and like the, like the productivity potential of every person, um, when they're working remotely. And two was just like the importance of like personal connection. You know, like having that. And if you can't, if you, since we can't have it because we're not in person, like really being intentional about cultivating that, you know, outside. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really nice. Um, I know personally, cause you know, like texting, like even with Zoom and stuff, but like texting, you can come across as very terse. Yeah. Even if you don't mean yeah. to. I'm, so I'm yeah, slacks. being intense. Slacks could feel like, wait, did she just come? Did she just come for me? <laughs> was that shame? Yeah. Was that an as per my previous? <laughs> you know? And sometimes I'm not gonna front. I will throw them out too. I'm not even gonna front. So yeah, because just like grits, teeth, and sends evil. Yeah, it can be. It can be weird. But um, so let's get into sort of because. You know, this is in candid fashion, yes. so primarily my audience is like sort of fashion yes. brands and people who are enthusiastic about fashion. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, I've used Pinterest for many mm -hmm. years, and I've found it, you know, useful for, you know, um, inspiration and just sometimes when you just need to visualize something, you know, you know things like that. But I think an underutilized or under I guess represented sort of facet of Pinterest is that it's visual discovery, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it can be like a search engine, hundred percent. And for a lot of for a lot of businesses, um, especially if you're like in media or in any kind of sort of visual industry, I find that it can be really useful to actually drive traffic, mm -hmm. right? Because I know I can't remember. I know I've read the stats in the past, but there's a whole thing about how like people go to Pinterest with purchase intent, yep. right? So when you're searching for xyz braids whatever 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 and if you find a pin that sends you directly to the website more you're more likely to buy mm -hmm. it so in your sort of experience and just like you know just and this is sort of broadly with like social media in general what do you think is the best use case for pinterest especially with like fashion and beauty brands yeah like how do you think they can use it to be super effective for their businesses to grow their businesses yeah i think you know what you said is 100% spot on in terms of Pinterest being a visual discovery engine. Like that is what it has been. And, and, and that's what the bread and butter was for the last 10 years, right? Was people were able to come to Pinterest and literally type in like king bed and find <laughs> all of the king beds and all of the styles and where they could get it. Um, and then save them because maybe they weren't necessarily ready to make that purchase just yet, but they, 
they um, they're planning to make it in the future. And the same thing for fashion, right? Where there's like gaucho pants, and you just want to see what is the gaucho pant look happening right now. How is it styled? Is it, what exactly, exactly. Them? And getting that inspiration for like what that look can look like on you um, is a big thing. And now we're really going into a new space where it's not about just like saving ideas and like cultivating this personal board, but um, for people who have content and who are content creators or who are entrepreneurs or artists in the fashion world, particularly like Pinterest is now evolved into a place where you can create content directly on the platform. You don't necessarily have to hope that you'll make the content on your business site and then you'll put a pin on Pinterest and then your person, your audience will find the pin and then they'll go to your business site. You can literally (laughs) truncate that process down and just create content directly on Pinterest. And that's an opportunity for you to build your audience to gain that exposure with like a new a new base of people who maybe weren't necessarily going to your website or didn't know about your content. Um, and it gives you this like uh, expert, expert appeal. Like, oh, this person can, can literally teach me how to style it right in this one, um, in this one idea pen or in this one piece of content. And so there's, there's multiple opportunities, so many opportunities. And, and it's, it's such a, a, a critical time right now because people are oftentimes like going to, to social platforms and, and feeling really like overwhelmed because of everything that's happening in the world, the pandemic, and, mm-hmm. you know, social unrest that's happening. And there's just a lot going on in the world. And, and what we've heard time and time and time again is that when people come to Pinterest, it's their moment. They want to be happy. Yes. Yes. Pinterest is my happy place. Yes. Yes. We hear that so often. Like Pinterest is my happy place. Pinterest is the place where I come to slow down. You know, it's like, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive because you're like, everybody's moving so fast, Mm -hmm. fast, fast. They want 60 second video. Now they want 30 second. Now they only want six seconds videos. But, (laughs) but on Pinterest, they will sit through a whatever 10, 15, 20 frame idea pin to show them exactly how to put a look together or exactly how to style the hair in a way or what does it look like for me to you know create this look for myself and that is like honestly one of the coolest things about working at that company because i you know like you said i worked at facebook i worked at twitter and i loved i loved the experience of working in those places but i think this is the first place where i felt like the product is actually like Positive? I don't want to say positive because, like, what we were doing. No, this is. I don't. I don't think so. This thing. I know. I know what you mean because I don't think it's the fault of the platforms. It's just the use case. Yeah, exactly. I just think Pinterest is a place for dreamers. Pinterest is a place for so you know you're you're visualizing your next next vacation or something, and you're like, oh, you know what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What kind of face am I going to take? And it makes you happy. happy. So that's just like yeah, yeah. you're like visualizing a future you. You're not, you're not yep. comparing yourself to anyone else. You're not thinking about all the things that they have or that person is doing or whatever. You're like, I am literally able to create about me. life yeah, for exactly. myself. Exactly. I love. Exactly. And exactly. like, that's bomb. That's so, that's really yeah. cool. So, you know, I, I, I think for, for fashion, beauty, really pers- anybody in any vertical, like the, the opportunity on Pinterest is to 
be that expert for an audience of people who are coming looking for inspiration. Like they're literally mm-hmm. typing in keywords that are related to whatever XYZ inspiration. Whatever yeah. your thing is, yeah. I promise you somebody is looking for it. And and that is like the opportunity. And I've I've always like it's you know, when they talk about surprise and delight, yeah. honestly, that is what it is. You're just like, oh, I wonder if anyone does this. And you're like, oh, I'm going to check them. Just yes, 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 they, they do. do. Oh my yes. God. I love they this. do this yeah. and they're showing me how to it's do it. Like, like they're giving yeah, all the tools. Feeling. They're giving all the advice. They, 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 they make it visual for me. They make it real for me. Um, so yeah, that's the opportunity I would say for, for any creator or, or blogger or business owner in that space. Like, there's an audience of people for whatever your thing is. So based on your past experience, what advice would you give a brand? Because I think that one of the, I guess, niches mm-hmm. in um, in my mm-hmm. space right now is for people who are based on the continent but want to build a global yeah. business, mm-hmm. right? So just the same way if you were like in America or in England or anywhere else and you you know you were like oh you know I'm, I'm in France and I'm oh I'm in you know where's Ghani from Sweden I can't remember I'm Ghani and I want to build a global business mm-hmm. right from my country I don't want to move to any of the fashion capitals so how what would you advise them like what would you be like oh you know this is how you should use Pinterest to reach that audience honestly I'm sure you're already doing a lot of the things right if you're if you were thinking globally and my guess mm-hmm. is you're already on the internet putting your content out um, in spaces mm-hmm. that can where people can find you all over the world. Um, and and mm-hmm. Pinterest is that like and, and social media in general is that like that is the beauty of social media is it's connecting people all over the world, sharing ideas literally from places that you may never set foot in, you know, and and I literally was just on an app this morning and looking at um, content from a food blogger. Her name is Diary of a Kitchen Lover. She's based in Lagos, Nigeria. She's so bomb. And like her content is is accessible. It's funny. It's relatable. And again, she's never having to leave Nigeria for me to see it. Like, so if if that is something that's on your heart, then I would say like continue to put content out into the world in places where people can find it on Pinterest, on Twitter, on on Instagram, like all the places on YouTube. Um, and even things like podcasts, right? Like even things like podcasts are an opportunity for you to create content that you can place on Zencaster or on any of the other podcast platforms, Luminary, Spotify, like any of them. And they can find, they will find an audience. Um, so just, mm-hmm. so I would say, just do the research, do the research, figure out what you want to say. And then where you want to say it. And then once you have that like content strategy, then you can start like yeah. plotting. Okay. Cause you're in Canada and I like this moment would never happen if not for this is something else the pandemic has yes. changed, you know? Cause I think that people are just so more much more open. open. So you know, you're like, oh, you know, I'm in XYZ place and I was like, you know, let's yes. have a meeting. It's like, yeah, cool. right. Boom. But before it would be like, oh, you know, when right. I come to New York, you know, travel, yeah. how much is that going to cost? All of that has been eliminated. Everyone is now more accessible than ever. And so there really is no excuse for us to not have a global mindset when it comes to building our businesses, building our brands. And um, and so, yeah, that's what I would that's what I would suggest. Really just sit down, think about like who you want to reach, what you want to say and where you want to say it. And then and then connect with people in those spaces like connect with Isoken 
and find out how did she get on this platform? What does it take to sign up? Like, do what are the what does that process look like? And then run with it. That's one the way that I've gotten the jobs that I've gotten is like networking with people and people being connected to people. You know, it's really strange, right? Because I'm not really I don't consider myself a people person, but. I think that people discount it because I think that we do a lot of sort of eliminating yeah. in our heads, right? So we're like, oh, you know, uh, I, I can't reach out to that person. They'll just be like, oh, you know, what does she know? What is what? And just, just like, you know what? Just, just ask. ask. You know, they might, you like, know? Yeah. they might say no, but you won't die, right? Die. You'll be fine. You won't die. <laughs> you know what's the worst they can say? No, okay, move what? on to the next person. Kill you, no one. Yeah, so. If you could do anything to improve the creator industry yeah. in the U.S. and globally, what would you do? Well, poor representation. You said what? <laughs> Ignore me. Presentation. I'm like, wait, what is that? Um, oh, oh. Um, well, I think it's less about representation, and I think it's really more about exposure. Mm -hmm. I think there are tons of creators, tons of creators mm -hmm. all over the world. What? Are you kidding me? I went to Senegal and I just, it last, um, last summer went to Senegal and like just met so many artists, like bloggers, people who were in the creative industry, fashion industry. And I'm just like, damn, like y'all are dope. Yeah. 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 I remember, I remember listening to this podcast, right? And it's like a podcast about influencers yeah. basically. And I listened to it for a really long time because she has like really great guests. So I just see it or whatever. And then one day, um, it was, I think she was speaking to somebody, another, like another, like another, like a non-white person, but mm -hmm. not a black person, right? And basically said how like, yeah, you know, it's just so hard to find, like people always ask me like, why don't I have more black um, influencer guests? It's just really hard to find black influencers. I was like, what? I literally, because I was, it was on a walk, right? And I actually stopped in the street and I was like, this is ridiculous. This makes no sense. And I DM'd her and I was like, hi. So I just listened to this podcast and you said this. Here are 20 influences you can oh. reach out to. Oh. There you go. You know, you found oh. some now. I was just like, what? How can you say that? That's ridiculous. It's because she didn't open her mouth. One, to expose her own ignorance. <laughs> and two, she didn't open her mouth to ask anybody. She just assumed. Yep. And it's that thing of like, oh, you know, it's just, I just don't see them. But the thing is, again, right? Because they're not your friends. Exactly. <laughs> and yep. it's okay. Yep. Like, yep. don't feel and, bad about yep. it. Because again, it happens in every culture. We could all do better about having more diverse friends. I mean, if you look at my, like, listen, if you look at my, if you look at my Instagram, right? Like, not even just the people I follow. So it's like, you know what? I follow this person yeah. for inspiration. I like it's important yeah, yeah. content, da, da, da. 90% yes. of them are black. 90% yes. of them are black because they look like me. I want to see, you know, when I'm like, oh, you know, for fashion and beauty, which is a lot right. more personal, you want to see like people you. who look like you. And that's just like, yeah. that's just a fact. Yeah. It's not an issue. It's just, you know what I mean? But I do course, follow white creators, right? But the issue has always been, you know, who are you exposed who are you to? Person? Who do you feel like you can follow? Why do you think this person is like less beautiful than the yeah. other? You know, things like that are just really, yeah. 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 That exposure piece is huge. It's huge. And I think a lot of times people are just afraid to say, I'm sorry. Like people are just afraid because then it exposes that oh you're not diverse. I thought you were so yeah, woke. Yeah. But it's it to me like one it really is exposure because even like with the tech industry like the issue to me is not that there are not a representative there are not 
educated people who could work in the tech field. It's just that those dots haven't been connected between the company mm -hmm. and the creatives or the company and the, and the tech talent. Like the, those dots just haven't been connected and there has to be a connector somewhere. And so I use my position a thousand percent as a connector. And I think- I love yeah. that. And I think, man, like you're different from a lot because a lot of people go in and just like, nope, I'm not going to be that black person. I'm not going to be the black person to bring all the black people. My, my, yeah. <laughs> we have these things called OKRs, objectives and key results. And best believe one of my yeah. objectives and key results is to bring in more black creators. I put on my on my my performance measurement. You will know if I did well, if I brought in I love that. I saw I saw that this girl that I follow who I really like her content, um Oye. Oye? I saw sweet like Oye. Oye. Yeah, I saw the sweet like Oye. yes, I saw she just became a verified creator. I was like, ah! I love it because yes, I love her content. She's, gorgeous, so yeah, she's just such a positive person. I love, love her too. Yeah. Um, but yes, like bringing in more people like her, like bringing in more designers and creatives, fashion people. Like I know so many just because of, again, like that's the world that I inhabit because I want to see yeah. content that reflects me and the people that I love and, 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 and I, mm -hmm. and I celebrate, I want to celebrate us. And so I'm closer to it. And and so best believe I'm constantly like bringing in, oh, are we managing this creator? Do we know who this person is? Is she on your radar? Like, is he on your radar? I'm constantly doing that work because one, I don't see it as a burden. I just see it as if, if we're not making that connection, then that idea that like these creators don't exist will continue to perpetuate. Mm, it just yeah. will yep, well, they yep, just aren't yep. around. Yeah. It's like what they do in film. It's like what they do is like, oh, you know, we just we just don't like you know these black this yeah, is like obviously like yeah. maybe five seven years ago so like, oh you know these black movies will they work i don't know i don't think so you know do black people watch oh, films they don't they don't they don't and then you do one and then you don't promote right. you see right. you see it didn't work but it's like right we don't it at all so put no power expect? behind literally right. Right. You know, but i mean that's like i said that's changing, it's changing so and i think slowly, like yeah changing, because more you know. more and more movies are being blockbusters all over the world like black panther mm. we know just was a complete watershed moment for a lot of executives in the movie industry to mm -hmm. say this is not only gonna do well but like this is going to resonate with an audience that's not black like this idea yep. that black people can resonate with non-black audiences was not a, was not a thing and I just it, even and this this cuts across so all the arts, right? This is books, so this is theater, this is it's, it's so foolish. Especially yeah. because we for so long have had to relate to characters who look nothing like us. And honestly, oh my look god, like, listen, like me. listen, like, all the time. And I'm like, sometimes I'm not kidding. Sometimes I see something. I'm like, why do they think it's, I'm not gonna I'm gonna cut this out. But I'm gonna say it anyway. It's like why do they think their stories are so interesting? I'm like, okay, so this is about a Mormon girl who lives in something, something and and I'm just watching her live her life. Like, why for, is this for is you, boring. it's boring. But for some other black women, that might be really interesting. And, and this is a, so. This is the thing, right? And I'm not even. I'm. I mean it yeah. in a holistic way, right? So it's like if this particular story so that niche. is so niche, yeah. right, is fascinating and deserves mm. X amount of budget. Why can't yeah. you just do a black movie as well? Like, what's going to happen if yeah. you also like? Why can't I just watch a black person? Also, you know, she lives yeah. in Bella. And that's what she does. That's her. Yeah. I'm just watching that. That's just, you know, that's the thing. Well, she, yeah. she just lives in Lagos and that's just like the thing that's happening. And yeah, and there's this whole push. Anyway, you know what? I could go on forever because, yeah, because I just did a show with my sister 
and it's just been like a whole it's it's its own yeah. thing it's its own of sort course. of yeah and, and just, it anyway goes, it really all but, stems go all the way to the yeah. roots to the roots colonization and slavery because if you have spent yeah. decades centuries telling people that black people aren't human that they don't yeah. have emotions that matter that they that they that their that their opinions and their perspectives shouldn't be considered then one could understand why they might believe well why would someone want to watch a movie about them and it's funny because again this is something i have belatedly realized in sort of the last maybe four mm-hmm. three four years because since i moved here i actually watch a lot more um nollywood content wow. than i have previously in fact to be honest previously mm-hmm. i didn't at all but i think obviously like his renaissance yeah. and like nollywood and like you know new mm-hmm. newer stories and all like all mm-hmm. about like mm-hmm. juju and killing mm-hmm. people whatever and just like this is like you know it's a rom-com it's a comedy and just having fun and just and i didn't realize like when i first moved here why i started enjoying things that i probably wouldn't have watched when i was in nigeria like so much more but i was like it's actually the only type of content that i can watch that is completely free of the burden of blackness. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm just watching Nigerians be Nigerian. Whatever the story is, that's fine. But there's literally not even a hint of any kind of racial mm-hmm. element. Because even with things that you enjoy, with like insecure and stuff, right? There's always that because they there is based in America, so there's still racial realities. There's still like not like there's not stuff in Nigeria with obviously like colorism and racism oh, or yeah. whatever, right? But for the most part, our music, our movies. They just focus on the Nigerian yes. experience as is, which is we're just black people with other yeah. black people. So there's what no, like, you know, there's no like, oh, you know, this, this, and that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and it's just, it's really freeing. Like, and I really, really enjoy it. Like, it's yeah. just like, wow. Yeah. It's amazing. This yeah, is like a really Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have yeah. to watch it within like the context of like explaining mm-hmm. anything or like fighting for racial yep, justice yep, or yep, it's just yep, you're just enjoying yep. watching people be people be like just live their actual yep. lives <laughs> and i have to say that was one of the yeah. things that I, there's a new movie that just came out on actually it's a tv show on netflix called um upshaws with like mike epps the option yeah one. with like mike epps and kim yeah. field and um i was it, it did it did really well it was like number one on netflix for a week or something yeah. and oh, i was yeah. just looking at twitter at some comments about it and people were like you know, I really enjoyed this movie, this show, because it's like the first time that I feel like black people weren't explaining blackness; they were just being black. <laughs> and it's like, come for the ride. If you enjoy it, great. If you don't, that's, that's cool. Move on to the next, you know, and blackish or like- black AF or whatever that's explaining blackness to you or giving you an insight. Look on what it is to be, and it's like, go to it if that's what you want. But sometimes. The thing is, I okay, so I I have heard this before about blackish and stuff, but I think that there's also that thing of like the AA experience isn't the only black mm-hmm. experience. So I don't think I think that people are like, oh, you know, why are they explaining it to black people? I've learned a lot on blackish because I'm Nigerian. I've always, you know what I mean. Like I'm like, I don't like. So it's just like I, there are a lot of things about the AA experience yes, I don't yes, know about. Same. So same. I don't think it's I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think that there's just same. like different types of you know content and they have yeah, different yeah, objectives yeah. right and there's some things that can't you know be done without context or whatever so um what are some resources that have helped in your career because i know you've already mentioned sort of like net direct networking and like you know obviously 
reading researching content but is there anything specific you can give us like you know this life-changing book oh no i don't have life i don't i don't have any life-changing books i or a podcast to listen to. I'm not that girl. Or I'm not a that movie girl. you watch. I'm not that girl who's <laughs> like, like reading thought leadership <laughs> I, books. I try and they just they just all read really dry to me. I I don't know. I'm sorry, I know I shouldn't say uh, that. I, but I, no, it's I fine. No, no, it's fine. The thing is like I yeah. It can be yes. a struggle. It can be a struggle. It's not even like sometimes it's even fiction. Like it doesn't have to be like some think and grow rich you know it can just be like you know something that helped change your perspective or something that you you saw or watched that just made you think oh you know what that is possible that is you know oh i just really like listening to boss women in interviews like that's maybe one of that's the thing too that's the thing too yeah like my sister's like actually i absolutely love it and i don't listen for like success like necessarily career tips but i really just enjoy hearing them talk about their stories and their lives and like Mm -hmm. what they've overcome and the -hmm. moments when they didn't necessarily have the confidence or didn't know what direction they were going in it humanizes and I think success for me, as well. Yes, that's exactly it. I think for me, I'm more interested in like this human experience more than I'm interested in like any like career trajectory. I, I, I'm really interested mm-hmm. in like, even like this conversation with you, I'm interested in like, well, what happened in your life? This again, like, how did you figure out that you wanted to end up in like this fashion world after going through economics and then law? And now you're doing this. And it's like that that journey is just really interesting and so um i think for me like some of my favorite interviews have been like listening to bozema st john's story she's currently the cmo of netflix but i knew her when she was like working in brand marketing at pepsi and um she was actually one of my clients and i was working at the root working in sales and she was at pepsi one of our clients and they were running ads on the root.com and so that's when i met her and just she has she stayed consistent from then which was like 10 almost 10 years ago till now she definitely has one of the best personal brands in the world hands down down. and if you ask her it's not even really about a career like trying to get to a certain place in her career she is just she is um she is led by this fierce sense of urgency that like Mm -hmm. life is moving life is happening and you have to continue moving and if you're not happy or if you don't feel like you're being valued where you are get out of there doesn't matter if you've been there for a year 10 years six weeks if you're not feeling it (laughs) Move, <laughs> and, and it's so against any career, but it's so against anything anyone will ever tell you. They'll be like, "Stay there for a year, get what you need," and those things are true too. But I just really appreciate. I think I like yeah, I, li- I like when you can listen to a story and then apply yeah, it to exactly. your specific context. But sometimes people are like, "Oh, you know, she said I should do this." It's like, no, it's not a pin by numbers. Exactly. It you don't have the same. Potentially, it may not work for you. It may yeah. everybody, and that's the thing. Like everybody's career journey is so nuanced based on the context of their actual Mm -hmm. life that what Mm -hmm. they did Mm -hmm. between the ages of 20 and 25 may not work for you if you are if you are also entering those years you're like it may not work for you exactly it's like oh mark zuckerberg drops out (laughs) you might want to just go ahead 
register for the next semester. Just do it because because it may not work for you. I think what I what I realized mm. is that there is no wrong way. That's that's the lesson. Mm-hmm. Like there is no there there is mm. there is definitely like a right path, sure, but there is no wrong path. And I think once you figure out what that path looks like for you, you begin to mold it and move in a way that is right for you. Mm-hmm. It's something I enjoy about being Maybe. in the London, you know, because when they say you're the slash, slash, the slash, slash, slash generation, and everyone's like, yeah. oh my God, like, you know, because it's like, yeah, she's a DJ and right. a this right. and a that. It's exactly. like, yeah, and that's fine. Because before I was like, oh my you God, how could you? Yeah, and it's like, you know, I'm going to do all the things. All the things. I'm going to do them well. And, yeah. and I, yeah, I think maybe that is where this mentality comes from because, like, yeah, I don't, I, I, I am more so interested in like, okay, um, I, I don't necessarily know what my life is going to look like in the next five years. I don't have a five-year plan. Mm-hmm. I just kind of know that I want to be doing work that fulfills me, that also takes care of my family, and allows me to have some money mm-hmm. on the side to play with. Like, that's literally if I go to my basic core goals, I would say it's that. It's so interesting because I think that America is having like a belated hmm. Europe moment because especially continental Europe, right? So like last to well, Switzerland to a lesser extent, but like France hmm. and Italy is very much like you you live like you don't right. live to work, you work right. to live. Like work is the thing you do, right. so you can do the other right. things that you want to do. Not like, oh you know, I'm I'm a go getter, I'm gonna just work, 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 no. work. And it's like no mate, like work so I can holiday, so I can have a nice yes. you know, life enjoy yes. myself on the weekend and yeah i want to have fulfillment for my job but like i'm not gonna no, get all the things no. there you know so it's it's, it's and really also the pandemic has has it's, really shown us yeah it has changed that. so many yeah, things it's just so showing many that like things, yeah. like one jo- like jobs come and go like jobs you can literally lose your job yep. at the drop of the hat so if you have your entire identity tied up in the job wrapped up in what you do yeah it's something i had to learn it was it was <laughs> it's yeah tough, it's, it's tough it's, transition it's, but once it you is. learn it it's like okay yep. and you move differently like you move differently mm-hmm. in the job i sometimes notice like I've, i move a little bit more like if it doesn't work out it doesn't <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean like I mean, I, and it's it's not that i don't care i like i wanted to be very clear it's not that i don't care yeah. i think what i've just realized is like I'm not just defined, defined by, it. by and it. also like any the, the the circumstances can change within a minute, and I just can't be as tied mm-hmm. to it um, as I think as I think. Yeah, I know someone who got her dream job, and then literally her oh. boss changed, and then she did every minute. <laughs> so oh it's God. just yeah, it's 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 its own thing. So what makes you feel inspired? Music. Or like your best Anytime song? I'm listening to music, anything, oh. anything like literally, I will be jamming in the car. I'm the weirdo who like walks down the street with her phone up to her ear, like just like dancing down the street. Listen, oh my, my sister always laughs at me. She's like, "What are you doing?" And the, okay, so this is okay because in England, I mean, I used to all the time. It's like fine, whatever, but. This is okay. Again, this is something else I'm going to cut out. But Toronto has a really big mm. homeless problem, and in summer it is wild because, like, proper, you know, like people who are on drugs and schizos, and so like you can be walking down the street and then you just see like mm. a mass of people walking really closely together because they don't want to walk past somebody and there's someone just literally screaming in the street. And she was like, "You realize you can't do the dancing thing in Toronto because you look like you're one of those people." Will be like, "Oh, you know, oh my God, this is another." <laughs> But, but my question is, how is that yeah. your problem? So, 
I know, <laughs> right? I'm just like, what they're thinking. Which one concerns you? <laughs> yes, I was on my way. <laughs> that's it. As long yeah, as you're not hurting them, they're not hurting you. What, 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 yep. what do you have to be working about? I mean, so final question where can our listeners connect with you online? They can connect with me on Instagram at Black Chronicles. Mm-hmm. They can also connect with me on LinkedIn mm-hmm. at Michelle Okeke. My full name. And okay. um, I meant to say this earlier about the inspiration thing too, because I haven't, I, I have yeah. not mentioned my children at all during this interview, and I find that interesting. Maybe something to bring up with my therapist. <laughs> but <laughs> but I would definitely say that my kids um, teach me all the time. They teach me all the time and they inspire me to, again, like slow down and appreciate life. Um, and, and you know, my my son is like, he's three and my daughter is one. And they're both just so funny. You know, they're just, they're funny people. And and it's like, I'm constantly cracking up. I'm telling my fiance all the time, like, like did you see what he just said? Like, so funny. <laughs> like, and so they, they, they bring a lot of life and levity yeah a lot of light and levity to to everything at every moment and so they inspire me to be a better mom just a better human just more present so that's that Thank, Thank you. you so much. This was this really, was so really fun. I actually had like I was actually having a bit of a shit day, so you oh, kind of like yeah. filled me up. I'm like, oh, love that, love that. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening, downloading, and streaming. For more inspiring conversations, head on over to isokan.ca. If you like today's show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We love seeing you spread the word on social media. So if you love what you heard today, tag us on Instagram with the hashtag #IncandidFashionPodcast. Be sure to leave a rating or review. It really helps people discover the show. Remember to follow me on Instagram at isokangiwani at I-S-O-K-E-N-O-G-I-E-M-W-O-N-Y-I. That's it from me. You've been listening to Incandid Fashion. Catch you guys soon. To catch every episode, be sure to like and subscribe to the Incandid Fashion Podcast today. We're on Instagram and you can find me on the website, isokan.ca. Thank you.